had a good time uh, last weekend. Safe. Uh, welcome to, or welcome uh, 2022. Uh, just want to say that uh, Byron and I were talking before we started to record. Oh, by the way, uh, my partner, uh, the very talented Byron Alexander is here also. Hey, you guys. <laughs> uh, we were talking about something very sad that happened at the end of 2021, and that would be uh, the passing of Betty White at the age of 99. So if you are not familiar with her work or her at all, I highly recommend you Google her. She is an American icon. And actually for the world, I think there's a lot of people in the other parts of the world that knew her also. Mm -hmm. But we were talking about... Uh, before we started about how she, the universe just, you know, with the way things have been going the last two years, the universe needed an ultimate sacrifice for 2022 <laughs> to be good. And Betty White, the person that she was, sacrificed herself <laughs> to be the ultimate sacrifice to the universe to make 2022 better. So we need to make sure that 2022 is better. Don't make that in vain. Her sacrifice. And thank you, Betty White, for everything you did ever appreciate it <laughs> enjoy your time back yes, enjoy, in enjoy st olaf there you go <laughs> uh, today we are talking about last last week was pretty light the week before that was pretty light and i think the week before that was pretty light wasn't it i think we've, yeah. we've had some pretty light ones which is great we love the light ones but on occasion we do need to touch on the not so light ones mm -hmm. um today we're going to talk about cancel culture and we are coming up on an anniversary, a terrible anniversary. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> so, I don't know, this one might be apropos to a certain degree um, about uh, what's been happening in our country. Um, and so um, I'm going to let you take over, Byron, for a little bit because you have some things, like I think some things to get straight about definitions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to let you go. <clears throat> Yes, please, because I'd, I'd like to, I think we need to have that as a setting first so we know what we're talking about when we talk about cancel culture, and I put those in air quotes. Yes. Because I want to make sure I get it right well, before we talk. So, go ahead. That and, you know, if people are going to have these kinds of conversations or debates or whatever, the problem that has arisen over the last, mm, I'd even say 10 years, it's been exacerbated in the last five, but over the last 10 years, over the last decade, the idea of debate has been misunderstood. Mm -hmm. uh, a debate is, or at least in practice, is where you can agree on what you're talking about. You're just arguing over how you get to the end conclusion, right? Right. For the most part. What has happened is the idea of debate, it has been uh, skewed and misrepresented that not only is everything up for debate, but uh, you think you're talking about the same thing when you're really not. So you just end up arguing in a circle, right? Yeah, like, okay. Here's the thing in practice. A debate is we're going to Disney World. We can agree on that. We're just arguing over how do we get there? Are we taking a bus? Are we taking the train? Are we flying? Are we walking? Are we driving? Are we teleporting if that's an option? That's your uh -huh. debate, mm -hmm. right? Instead, what happens is you want to go to Disney World. I want to go to Six Flags. It seems like we're having a debate because those are both amusement parks, but we're not going to the same destination. That's the difference. You see that? Yeah. Okay. So when you're having a conversation about 
in this case, cancel culture, we have to define what cancel culture is and agree to that definition in order to have the conversation, right? Right. So, yeah, that's what. All that's that what being I need. Said, I need more right? definition. Mm-hmm. So all that I being said, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. for our listeners and anybody who like wants to have these kinds of conversations or, or is trying to have these kinds of conversations with somebody who kind of gets it but you know doesn't really get it or whatever, according to uh, Google for the moment, mm-hmm. cancel culture or call out culture is a modern form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles, whether it be online, social media, or in person. Those subject to this ostracism are said to have been canceled. Okay. That's the quick cancel culture Google definition. Hmm. In layman terms, being canceled is, it's kind of like the by Felicia of its time. Okay. Cancel culture or being canceled comes from actually uh, New Jack City, where Nino Brown tells his girlfriend after she goes off on him that he's a killer and a drug dealer and this, that. He's like, you're canceled. Like, get out my face. You're canceled. That's where it comes from. Oh. It didn't pick up steam until one of the reality shows in 2014. I I forget which one because there's so many. But... Dude, uh, it was like one of those Real Housewives shows or whatever. Anyway, she's going off on her boyfriend and kind of like in a familiar scene, honestly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, get out of my face. You're canceled. And she's like, what? Like, you're canceling me? And from there, because this is 2014, it takes yeah. off on social media. And so what cancel culture became in, in a, originally was kind of a joke of like, you just throw it out there. It's like, ah, you canceled, get out of my face, whatever. I don't want to have this conversation anymore. What it morphed into with the Me Too movement or Black Lives Matter or more social, social progressive movements was now you're holding people who have abused their power accountable in a way that you couldn't before because of social media. Social media gave voice and a measure of power to people who have traditionally or historically been powerless. Yeah. But the catch with that is that the ones in power gave you social media. So what you're seeing in response is people with power try to take cancel culture and turn it into something, right, that is um, disingenuous. And what that does is protect those people with power. Remember, as Audre Lord said, you cannot dismantle the master's house with the master's tools. Right. What happens is that online, you can say cancel Donald Trump, for example. But Donald Trump has social media power. Donald Trump became president through social media. Donald right. Trump right. is Donald Trump because of social media. Right. Like, yes, he was a businessman and he was like a pseudo celebrity before all of this. Yes. But the reason why he got put on the campaign trail and ended up ascending to the White House is through social media. Right. right? And that's just an example. You can do the same thing with the Harvey Weinstein or Bill Cosby or R. Kelly or Michael Jackson, so on and so forth. Jeffrey Epstein, blah, 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 blah. 
the difference is, is that uh, some of our alleged, because we don't know about Michael Jackson, yay or nay, we can argue in circles about our Michael Jackson, but R. Kelly, Harvey Weinstein, Woody Allen, um, yeah. Jeffrey Epstein, blah, 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 blah. They've actually done something or many things uh, <laughs> illegal. <laughs> They've actually yeah. done these things and they're being held accountable for them in a way that they were not before social media. Right. That's the thing. So when they when people try to throw out cancel culture or being canceled, what they're doing is vilifying the fact that they are being held accountable. One prime example right now is Dave Chappelle. And it's like, they're trying to cancel Dave Chappelle. And even Dave Chappelle in his special is like, oh, they're going to cancel me for this. But yeah. people are not. There's a difference between being held accountable or being criticized and critique for what you do or say mm-hmm. versus being uh, being canceled. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. being canceled is the same thing as like being censured by somebody with power. Mm-hmm. That's why when they conflate um, the First Amendment with cancel culture, it's like, well, you can't say this anymore. You can't say that anymore. You can't do this anymore. It's like, no. Dave Chappelle said what he said, in this case, yeah. about the trans community. He can say what he said about the trans community, but he's not free from critique or criticism right. from that community. And right. that's what they're saying. It's like, hey, your jokes whether they're lighthearted or or they don't have ill intent, they still have a very real impact to that community. And right. they're calling him out on that. They're not censuring him. They're not canceling him. They may not watch his special, and that's fine. They don't have to. Other people are, right? The only way it mm-hmm. would be a violation of the First Amendment is if the government came in and censured him and said, hey, you can't say this. We're taking down your special. You've been hit with the fine. That's cancellation. Colin Kaepernick has been canceled. Janet Jackson has been canceled. Right? Because government (sighs) entities came in and removed them from their livelihood or removed their presence, rather. Yeah, Colin Kaepernick can still play football, but he's not. Right? He still has the ability to do so, right, physically, but he's not on a team. He's not going to get hired because of what he's doing, what he's standing for. Right? Janet has the ability to tour, and yes, she has been doing it on a very uh, smaller scale than what we know Janet Jackson uh, to be touring, you know what I mean? Like the scale that she's touring, like for her to be a marquee kind of name, right? These are just examples. These are just examples, my two examples. Uh, What happens is that, especially because it started online or at least social media, you can't have these kinds of conversations on social media. This is literally the, the TLDR version, right? Everything that I just yeah. said would be a Twitter thread. And it would be at least, if we're keeping count, that was at least a thousand words. Twitter already programs you to say to type characters, 140 characters or less, maybe 280. So your brain is already primed not to read past a certain point. This is why you cannot have these conversations online. There are plenty of conversations or plenty of spaces where you can have the conversation outside of social media. And that's where the work uh, should should be in your everyday life. Right. Yeah. And so basically the TLDR version of everything that I just said, cancel culture is modern day public shaming. 
Can I can I give my example too? Because mine actually goes back three hundred years. Mine yeah, actually goes back three hundred years. So the composer Vivaldi, who is famous for a couple operas, uh, and he's obviously from Italy. Uh, back in the seventeen thirties, um, uh, especially during that time period, right, the Catholic Church was the most powerful, even more so than some of the the domos or the kings or emperors or whatever, uh, in in Christian Europe. So in the 1730s, um, Cardinal Tommaso Rufo banned Vivaldi from the city of, what city is that? Uh, Ferrara. Uh, because, <laughs> um, oh, and, and yeah, so they banned him from the city because they said he had stopped celebrating mass. This is fucking ridiculous. Stopped celebrating mass and that he supposedly had a relationship with one of his singers. Not that that would be a big deal, but Vivaldi was actually a unordained priest, Catholic priest, as well as a composer. Well, what they did was he was supposed to premiere his newest opera. Which one is this one called? Uh, don't it's Il Farnas, Farnacci. It doesn't matter uh, what the opera was called, but uh, it was banned, um, and so they they not only did that cancellation. Uh, mean that he couldn't ever go back to that city. Uh, it also destroyed him financially. And nobody else in the world would do any of his operas because he had mm -hmm. been canceled by the Catholic Church. So this kind of thing, and, and the reason why I say that I think this falls under that cancellation is because they were the authority, they were the law during that time exactly. period. So it was like the government, you know, basically canceling him. So he goes into debt. He dies in 1741, you know, only 11 years after this happened, pretty much. Actually, only a couple years. Uh, it was actually, the decision was final and in the books by 1739, and he died in 1741, a disastrous ruin mm -hmm. uh, because of this. And so, uh, come to find out, the reason why he wasn't doing mass is because he uh, had asthma and all the the stuff, if anybody knows anything about Catholic Mass, there's a lot of incense and candles and all that kind of stuff, which can wreak havoc, as you know, Byron. All that smoke mm -hmm. and stuff can wreak havoc on somebody that has asthma. And then his relationship was the same as anybody, any other composer with their lead singer, because she was just his, his lead singer, and became his nursemaid uh, when he was sick. So... Basically, the Catholic Church had it out for him, so they made up lies, and they canceled him. <laughs> so, I mean, this this goes back, and that was 300 years ago. So, the reason why it's in the news now is because uh, they're actually going to perform uh, that opera in that city for the first time in over 300 years. Oh. So, hmm. it's like they're, they're uncanceling Vivaldi. <laughs> but it makes you wonder, why the fuck did it take that long? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's Italy, right? Italy is like the biggest, you know, it's like huge Catholic, right? Because Rome is right there, uh, you know, the, uh, but at the same time, it's kind of like, so yeah, so, you know, the, the term didn't come about to the 90s, 1990s, but the way that that's happened, I mean, that's, that's pretty it's much nothing what, new. no, nothing new at all. And so it's, mm -hmm. and this, this really did affect him financially as well as personally, um, so that's like, I, I don't know, I thought that was intriguing when I read that in the paper yesterday. I was like, oh, I got to put that in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, definitely. It's <laughs> yeah. the same. It, it is the, a lot of the stuff that people are having conversations about 
are nothing new. It's just mm-hmm. it's it's modernized because it is on social media. It's right. it's an updated well, version of the same that. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and and we're culturally things are shifting where these kinds of conversations you didn't have in a public forum. One, because you didn't right. have a public forum, you know, twenty five years ago. Not not to the way you do now. Yeah. Right. No, not the way you do. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're not supposed to discuss your dirty business, your dirty laundry. You don't do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, in order for things to change, you, you got to air that shit out. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's so all gotta come out. it has to come out. And yes, like the examples that I gave and that you just gave in the the setup of cancel culture. I'm telling you what it is. But part of that mm-hmm. conversation, too, of course, is, again, power and how yeah. it is, how it is manipulated. Not it's not just calling out the people with power who have abused it, but there are people who unfortunately do take advantage of it. There are yeah. people who jump to conclusions or who um, who are like knee jerk um, and can ruin somebody's life uh, without actually like they don't understand the power that they're wielding. Right. Yeah. Like they can jump on the bandwagon and say, OK, I'm going to cancel X person for something that I made up. Right. Do you have an example of that? Because I mean, I know uh, I know what you're talking about, but mm-hmm. I need to visualize it in more real time. Um, let's see. I don't know. To be fair, to be fair and transparent, I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, not. I'm not either. That's the best place you can <laughs> we, find we, it. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see. Recently. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. There's her name is Doja Cat. She's a up and coming pop star. Okay. Basically, so she's mm-hmm. done some questionable things. Okay. On social media, I'll put it that way. Like oh. long story short, um, she's done stuff where it's like people have like said like, "Yo, that's that's hella racist. You need to you need to do better. Or you need to you need to take that down or whatever." Mm-hmm. Um, she has done that. But my understanding for one of the examples is that how can I, how can I conceptualize this in a in a not a rambling kind of way? Basically, like somebody charged do something against her and said like, "Hey, Doja Cat did she killed a cat, right? She didn't, but that was basically what it is. I'm, I'm making that up because I can't remember what." the specific was but she did something yeah. out of pocket they they charged her with doing something out of pocket What's where she name? didn't doja cat d-o-j-a cat I, <laughs> um, I think it's cat with a c not a k whatever anyway yeah, it's a c yeah yeah but for the example it's basically doja cat drowned a kitten or something like that even though she didn't but what happens yeah. is because of social media people jumped on that right and blew a lie out of proportion Right, they took it and ran with it, and that could cause irreparable harm to her career. Yeah, that does happen. Yeah, now in yeah, her yeah. case, it didn't, but that does happen. There are people who will take advantage of these socially progressive movements, and what happens, of course, is that hurts the movement. When you hear people take Me Too and turn it into an action, oh, someone got Me Tooed, right? So and so got Me yeah. Tooed. Mm-hmm, as if there's mm-hmm. like spite behind it. Me too started as a social movement created by a yeah. black woman, by the way, uh, Tarana Burke. She started yeah. the movement to hold 
her uh, her boss is accountable for their sexual misconduct. They should be held accountable for that, right? Right, right. That's what Me Too started as. But there are, unfortunately, as we call them, bad actors, right, or people in bad faith who uh, assert that somebody raped them in order to gain sympathy or to gain clout or to gain some kind of uh, monetary or financial gain at the expense of someone else. And what that does, of course, is give the opposition, those in power, more of it. That's where it opens up the the conversation of like, you're not holding people accountable anymore. You're just using this to get ahead. Because remember the three rules of how we live our lives, at least in this system, is who has power, who doesn't, and what's your relationship to it. And that third one is the most dangerous because you see how people will use power in order to figure out how to navigate it. And the reason why they're doing that is because they're trying to mitigate the impact of what the powerful can and will do. There really is no difference between us. We can talk about race and gender. And yes, there are some very visual visual and or visible and concrete differences along those lines. But mm-hmm. really, the only difference between us is time. Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's only a matter of time before that bullshit comes to your doorstep. Yeah. That's the whole yeah. point. I like that. The only difference mm. between us is time. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Because today it's me. Tomorrow it could be you. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all it boils down to. Yes, living in a white supremacist society, being white in a white supremacist society staves off some of its effects, but only for so long. Because as you've seen, it fucks you up too. Being yeah. male in a patriarchal society staves off some of the impact of patriarchy for so long, but only for so long because it kills you too. Being straight in a heteronormative society does give you some some kind of cushion, if you will, for a little bit, but only for so long. Because it's that attaining the unattainable, that idea of perfect, you will never be perfect. Right. There's always something. If I can't get you because you're uh, because you are a heterosexual affluent white male, well, that's okay. Give it time. Some of those things will go away. Youth is wasted on the young. It may be cliche, but it's true. You don't know what to do with it and you're not going to be young forever. Plain and simple. It's only literally a matter of time. Yep, Hmm. you are absolutely, I like that. You are absolutely correct. I like that (laughs) a lot. I have my moments. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you do. I agree. That's that's my off kilter. But it's really kind of not though. It's it's part yeah, of right? the whole it's... the whole thing. It's not really uh-huh. the off kilter. Uh, uh-huh. You know, now if I mean, you were it... to talk about like you know, I don't mm-hmm. know the color of your cat's eyes, that would be yeah, a well, true. Well, here's the other thing too. Like one of the critiques of cancel culture is that people yeah. are it, it, it's like you're trying to retroactively cancel somebody for something. Okay, that yeah, happened that was years where I was going to ask now, about yes. that. Yes. Yeah, now that um, that deserves more uh, analysis. Because, word... okay, so here's the thing. So let's say uh, somebody does say some things back in their youth, right? Mm-hmm. But over now they're like 60, right? So they said stuff when they were like 22, right? Mm-hmm. They did stuff, whatever. Uh, then there's like a whole, again, matter of time. There's a whole 40 years that goes by. And within those 40 years, they learn, they change, they grow, 
You know, mm-hmm. they've they've determined that the, maybe the way they were when they were in their early 20s was wrong. You know, so now they're doing something completely different or, you know, working towards something different. And then, you know, all of a sudden this comes out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, somebody goes, oh, I don't like you. So now I'm going to do an Internet search and try to find as much dirt on you as I can, which, of course, mm-hmm. that's happened since the dawn of time. But the Internet hasn't been around since the dawn of time. So now it's easier to find stuff on people. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to tell I'm going to put out there to everybody something that you said when you were 22. Mm-hmm. Now. Should that should should that person now be canceled for something they did 40 years ago, especially if maybe over time they have changed because people do change. They grow. They learn. You hope they do anyway. Right. So does is that is that something that people should be like? Because, yeah, you're right. There's been a lot of celebrities that this has happened to recently. Um, mm-hmm. Politicians that maybe could have been good politicians. But somebody says, oh, well, OK, OK, here's the example. No, I lost it now. <laughs> anyway, it'll come back. It'll it's because I'm 52. <laughs> um, but it it comes, you know, down to you know something that maybe you did that maybe was at the time culturally acceptable. Then over time you realize, no, that's not culturally. Even if it's culturally acceptable, it's still wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I did that. And so you move on, right? You grow, like I said, you grow and you learn and you change, and then you forget about it because it's it's you know you've grown and changed and moved on from that. So should somebody be held accountable for something they did 40 years ago that they would never do now because they've learned that it's wrong? In that question, um, I would say, hmm. Because it's really kind of rough if you're, especially if you're young. Again, you right. just wasted on the young. I want to so say, young. I want to say flat out no, but okay. it, it's the, it's, the thing about cancel culture and what people are getting at is the proportion of punishment mm-hmm. because it's like you should not be you should not lose your livelihood or your your status or stature within this mm-hmm. within your community or whatever for something that you did 30, 20 30 40 years ago right mm-hmm. the the punishment does not fit the crime in especially sense. if That's... you've done things that were the opposite of that, like you've, exactly. you've, let's say you were, because you let's say, we'll, we'll put it on the simplest of terms. Let's say you were 21 years old and you bragged about how you, I don't know, broke into a 7-Eleven or you stole something from 7-Eleven, right? So then you realize, again, this is very minor, I know, but I'm just trying to put this in simple terms. But then you realize over time, wow, that was terrible of me. I can't believe I did that. So then you start giving back to society. <laughs> you know, you work with certain charities and you become a pillar of society and you truly mean it. And it's very obvious to everybody that that was a mistake. And then nobody knows about it because, again, you're 60 now, right? So it's 40 years ago. But then somebody goes, yeah, you stole something from 7-Eleven. You're evil. And now everybody starts to pile up on that mm-hmm. because, well, if you're a pillar of your community, you're probably now a public figure, at least even on small, even in your small community, mm-hmm. you're now a public figure. So now uh-huh. everybody's going to pile on top, especially anybody uh-huh. that does not like you. Uh huh. And what are they doing? Yes. They're doing what you said. You yes. They, I mean? They're taking advantage of that. They're taking advantage so, of but, it, but they're yeah. challenging the power that you have within the community. Right. They're challenging right. the power that you have amassed over the years because they don't like that you have it. Remember their relationship to it, mm-hmm. who has it, who doesn't, and what's their relationship. They recognize that they don't have the power that you have. So out of envy, right. out of jealousy, out of spite, if I can mm-hmm. find the fact that you said something racist when you were 15 or that you you mm-hmm. took 
a shit on the public lawn and you knew you weren't supposed to when you were 12 or whatever, or you wet the bed until you were 13, like whatever it is. Right, well, yeah. That is all designed. <laughs> That's, going. That's going hard. There. You see what I'm saying? But like, right? You see? The, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they'll find anything. They'll find yeah. something it's, to it's to take what level of power that you have away from you, or at least try. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's what. But what that does is also allow people with more power to do the same thing. They're weaponizing the power that they have against you because usually when that does happen, it's to people who are mm-hmm. challenging the status quo. When that yeah. when that um, dynamic plays out, it's for people who have said like, "Hey, X, Y, and Z are happening, and I want to change X. I want to change Y. I want to get rid of X, Y, and Z altogether. I want to get rid of the whole damn alphabet because you know what? It's all trash." Well, then you start to see they go into, "You did this when you were fifteen. You did this when you were sixteen. You did this at this point." Yes, and it has been 20, 30, 40, 50 years since you've done those things. And you have shown not only have you grown and matured because you were, you know, an immature child when you did it, right? You've spent your life's work doing the work (laughs) in order to be better and do better. And people who feel some type of way, which is scared and uncomfortable, uh, come into uh, now that they have some measure of power that they didn't have 20 years ago. Now they come yeah. into, you know, your DMs and everything like that and go, hey, you did X, Y, and Z when you were 15. How dare you do that? You should be held accountable for that, right? As if it's something that you did uh, yesterday, right? Now, that's where that slippery slope argument comes in. But again, it's still about power because people with power try to use that to justify why they shouldn't be held accountable for what is happening now. What I mean by that, for example, when you talk about this country and you talk about the legacy of slavery, yes, it happened a long time ago, but you're still dealing with the effects. There's a difference. If you're person A and you did something stupid in your teens, unless you're still doing that same stupid thing in your 60s, right? Right. You shouldn't, honestly, you shouldn't be held accountable, but the punishment should not be, oh my gosh, you know, you did something at 15 and now that you're 16, you're doing the complete opposite or you haven't thought about it since you were 15, right? And it didn't impact society or anybody's life at 15, unless you killed somebody. But outside of that, outside of the extremes, right? There's a lot, there's a lot difference than if you burned down somebody's house at 15 and then you became a serial arsonist at 40, right? then the punishment is definitely going to be different or the accountability, the act of accountability is definitely going to be different rather than you burn down somebody's house at 15. You felt terrible about it because you were playing with matches and you tried to rebuild that person's house. You tried to repair the damage that you caused. It's about causing harm. And after that, you you volunteered at Habitat for Humanity and then you just, yeah. You became a volunteer Mm -hmm. firefighter, whatever, right? There's a difference. It's about intent and impact because a lot of times what happens is people think or people try to rationalize that their intentions were good or pure. And because their intentions were good or pure, it does not. All these intentions are pure. Right. But because they think (laughs) so, the impact that they cause is moot. I didn't mean to burn down your house. I did it, but I didn't mean to. So I can't be held accountable for me burning down your house. 
It doesn't matter the fact that you are now displaced. Your sense of security is gone because you don't have a house. You may have insurance, but that can rebuild the building, but it doesn't rebuild the memories that you have there. It doesn't, the smoke inhalation that you have suffered from getting out of a burning building, right? Those are all impacts to you. But I was just playing with matches. My intention was not to burn down your house. It still caused harm, didn't it? Right? And if I did that at five, yeah. And I didn't do the work now that I'm 35, right? And I didn't learn my lesson. I'm still playing with matches. I'm still like excited by fire or whatever. Then when you <laughs> find out that I burnt down somebody's house at five and you want to hold me accountable <laughs> because at 35, I'm basically still doing it. Or I, I still have killer. The, you're right. I still have the potential to do it because evidently, like fire is just awesome. I get off on it. Oh my right. god! Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I became a firefighter so I could light fires and fight them. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Then you can hold somebody accountable in the way that that yeah. the punishment fits the crime. Yes. But absolutely. if I'm a five year old and I don't really understand what I'm doing or I don't have a real concept, like yeah, I know I'm not supposed yeah. to be playing with matches or whatever. But yeah, I did it and it resulted in a house fire. Now yeah. that I'm 35 and it's like you know what I did do that it did traumatize me and everybody involved and I've spent the last 30 years trying to make up for it hopefully doing the right thing if it comes out that yes I uh, burned down a house at 5 but I'm doing the work that's a lot different I can be held accountable to the people I may have hurt or may have caused harm to you know, I have to I have to mention this, though, because, you know, somebody's thinking of this mm-hmm. as they're listening. So I have to mention it. So like all these celebrities or politicians or whatever, f- when they're teenagers or early 20s at Halloween parties mm-hmm. or whatever in blackface. Mm-hmm. They knew better. <laughs> they have By to the be... time you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. But, yes, you know better. Because the thing yeah. about it is, is like you could be like, was it Justin Trudeau trying to be Michael Jackson or whatever? I think it was. Yeah. yeah like, OK, you can still be Michael Jackson. You don't have to paint your face brown or, or black. You don't have to do the whole black face thing to be Michael Jackson. Like you don't just as as a black person. If I wanted to be Batman, mm-hmm. I don't have to paint the bottom of my face white when I put on the Batman mask <laughs> to be Batman. You know who that I am. Be so weird. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Now, here's the thing. Because of white supremacy, it makes sense for white people to darken their face to be a black person or or a person of color, quote unquote, person of color, right, as a Halloween costume. But if I turn around and do it, they go like, oh, my God, what are you talking about? It's the same thing with the white chicks argument because white people go, well, well, the Marlins did it. Like, oh, my gosh, they did white face. Like, no, they did not. Eddie Murphy did it on Saturday Night Live. He did it as a Jewish character in, um, in uh, what is it, Coming to America. Right. But he, one, was not denigrating Jewish people or white people. The thing with blackface is it was denigrating an entire group of people. Blackface is at its core very racist. That's the point. Well, yeah, it started out that way. Yes, exactly. It's mentioned. I mean, Al Jolson was not. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh Jim Crow was a blackface character before it Mm -hmm. became 
a, a set of laws and cultural practices. Yes. So it's the premise of the argument is what, is what people are trying to do. And the premise of their argument is, is that it shouldn't be seen as racist. But unfortunately, it is racist. It's rooted in racist uh, propaganda and ideology. Yeah. yeah That's the difference. Wear- if you're going to wear a jacket, you know, the whole Michael Jackson regalia, you're right. You don't have to blacken your face. And same way, like, if you're going to be Prince. So, mm-hmm. like, on the TV show New Girl, uh, mm-hmm. the the person uh, that plays, God damn it, I can't remember his name now, and I like that show. <laughs> anyway, he didn't blacken his face when he dressed as Prince. So, like, the, the Prince episode, they showed mm-hmm. him as a teenager, you know, at a talent show being Prince or whatever, talking about how much he really liked Prince. And yeah, mm-hmm. they he didn't blacken his face. He actually you don't know, have to do that. No, I mean, it's very you can simple. Tell just by the yeah, you can tell by the, Ex- the clothes and all that kind of stuff. There's exactly no so when to. when uh, certain folks try and justify mm-hmm. their racism, right? They go like, well, you know, I mean, I just wanted to be this person. You can totally do that without having to darken your face or whatever. Or do right. there's so it's so simple to be if I wanted to be Superman, I can put on a Superman costume. I don't have to paint my skin white in order to be Clark Kent. If I want to go as Clark Kent, I just need to wear a suit and glasses and say yeah. I'm Clark Santa Kent. Santa Claus too. You can be a black exactly. Santa Exactly. You it's can Santa be Claus. a black Santa, Santa Claus. Claus is Santa Claus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, mean, I, it, I agree. I just, I had to bring it up because I know somebody course. listening, you know, hopefully we get listeners that do think and, mm-hmm. and would be thinking, well, what about blackface? You know, because mm-hmm. that needs to be mentioned because it is, it is a thing. Yeah, like you said, I mean, the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, that mm-hmm. kind of got swept under the rug. I, I, maybe it's it, because he, he, I don't know why. Because <laughs> yeah. it's because Canada. Because it's Canada and he's white, I guess. Canada. Yeah, that well, makes sense. Because it's Canada and Canada is supposed to be, at least in the in the public sphere, Canada, even though it's America's neighbor, mm-hmm. it's it's honestly, it's your, le- your, your, in air quotes, your less racist neighbor. Like if Carol <laughs> O'Connor is, is America, then Edith would be mm-hmm. Canada. Mm-hmm. Like Edith is still yeah. racist, but Edith is, Edith is not out is not outwardly racist. Like she's trying they, not to be racist. She's trying not to be, yeah. or she's she's unaware of like how yeah. her her passivity yeah. uh, allows for Archie Bunker's bullshit. Like that's she and that's Louise the got thing. along fine. Exactly. When the Jeffersons right? were their na- were their neighbors. Mm-hmm. She and Louise got along fine. Oh, that was her black friend. Mm-hmm. That's fine. She knows Louise, mm-hmm. and she's fine with Louise. Yeah. But she misses the point that, hey, all the shit that's going on could also happen to Louise. That's the point. Remember, as I've said before, people may be up in arms about Black Lives Matter like they don't get it or whatever, but they're not racist. They have black friends. Well, big dummy, you won't get it until it's your black friend. That's the whole point. And then and then you got to make sure that, you know, you still understand about that Mm -hmm. happening to your black friend, because I'll be honest, I have heard somebody say this. It's terrible. So like. When, when, and this, this did not happen to me, so please don't get confused, anybody. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I, I have shocking white friends, right, who have other black friends. Um, and one of them was talking about that, about how, God, they were at the store and somebody was being racist to their black friend. Mm-hmm. But here's where I, I severed the ties with this person because that person mm-hmm. said, Well, I wonder what she did. Yeah. And I looked at it and I was like, What? Uh huh. And then she goes, "Yeah." So I asked her, "What what did she do to provoke this?" And I'm like, "She was black. That's what that's the, what the racist person thought when they were being racist to your black friend." Yeah. There's like nothing else that she she do what? So I stopped uh-huh. being. 
Yeah. It was somebody I went to college with actually at U of M Flint. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I severed ties to that person because I was like, how how can you not? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't really, I'm, I'm going to try to explain it. But then when she kept looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. It was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. How it's do you the not same see thing this? When people so it's happening adopt... now to your friend, but you want to blame your friend. <laughs> it's the same thing when people adopt uh, kids and they think that they're not racist because they, now they have black people in their family or <laughs> or whatever. And it's like, okay, you do recognize that... You're counting. <laughs> yeah, that, right? Also a problem in and You're of itself. But collecting. the funny thing about it is, like, we're not Pokemon. That's not how this works. Yeah, right. <laughs> and... Now you got to get an Asian and a Hispanic. Yeah, right. Wow. Also not Pokemon. That's not yeah, how this exactly. works. You try catching us all. That was called slavery, and that's a problem. So, no. Uh, also, the thing about it is, is okay, you want to sit up there and say that, you know, I have my, this is my black child. This is my this. This is my that. But when they go out into the world, <laughs> they are still themselves. They are yeah. still black or brown or somewhere in between. It makes it sound like you want them to walk around with your picture so they can prove they have white parents. Mm-hmm. I'm okay, and what I is, have white parents. <laughs> and what is that? Exactly. <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Right? Well, that's white privilege in action mm-hmm. that they claim they You'll don't okay. have or well, don't that's exist. Papers. That's the papers right? that slaves had, too. Exactly. Here's my master saying that I'm allowed to go places. Mm-hmm. You know, especially on holidays, here it is. Mm-hmm. Here's my papers. Well, it's like, oh, I'm a black kid. I have white parents. Now I should mm-hmm. be able to be treated differently because that's Which my passport. Which you won't be yeah, because no. your because your other white parents are like, I don't like the white kids, and not even if you don't like them, whether you like me or not, is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Like what you are doing is in response to a system that says I'm still seen, coded, or treated as three fifths of a person. That's why it's a compromise. Yeah. That's the point. That doesn't just but, go away because the laws changed or we had a black president and you like Michael Jackson in Motown. Like, no, that's not how that <laughs> oh works. That's not how that works at all. Like what you saw in 2020 that's and 2021, terrible. what you've seen over the past, you know, decade and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Is people are grappling, finally, they have to grapple in a very real way the fact mm-hmm. that they are racialized in a racist society. See, the yeah. thing about it is, is that white people collectively have always been seen as just people. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. You don't talk about race until your black friend shows up. It's that meme that I posted. Which one? I'm going to, I'll get to it. Keep talking and okay. I'm going to get to it. Well, yeah, like <laughs> you're starting to see, and this is nothing new. Uh, but you're, you can't run from it. The thing about it is white supremacy has literally been codified now and not just in social, uh, social and cultural and situational norms. It's literally sitting in the palm of your hand. It's an algorithm. It's literally become ones and zeros. And so when you go onto your social media feed, that's what it's giving you. When you go to uh, YouTube, for example, and if you're looking up content creators, the algorithm will give you content creators who fit certain parameters that you set. Mm-hmm. You've internalized white supremacy. So the algorithm is going to bolster those things. Now, where it gets confusing for people is I'm saying white supremacy and they're, they're hearing white supremacists. So when I say you're looking for certain content, what they're hearing is that they're looking for white supremacists content they're looking for individuals that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is is that even if you are more liberal or progressive or whatever right Mm -hmm. you're looking for content everything that i'm saying right now as a black person you're tuning out Mm 
But if you look for a Lindsay Ellis or uh, a uh, step back or philosophy tube or contrapoints, and this is just uh, YouTube, for example, right? They said exactly the same thing that I said. Not only will you get it and go, oh, I never thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. But the algorithm will feed you more people who do exactly that, who all look a certain way. Yeah. And that will not oh, be yeah. me. Yeah. That is white supremacy in action. Well, here's here's the one I, I reposted uh, from uh, at Jan and Wolf. And it was the conversation between Chuck Todd and the uh, and uh, Nicole Hannah Jones from the 1619 Project. Oh, that one. Uh, yes. Where, where Chuck Todd says, quote, parents are saying, hey, don't make my kid feel guilty. And a parent of color is going, I need to teach reality, end quote. And Hannah Jones says, quote, you should just think a little bit about your framing. You said parents and then you said parents of color. So the white is silent end quote mm -hmm. so that's that's part of it you know mm -hmm. that that is people think parents and then they have to discern between parents of color and mm -hmm. parents but parents is a generic you know uh collective noun <laughs> it is it has until it has it's supposed to not yeah it's and, and it's supposed to, to not be specific until yeah you add uh -huh. that parents of and, color to it well until you live in a white supremacist society. Mm -hmm. White exactly. is the default. When I say people or person, yeah. a very specific image pops into your mind. I will say I this. Say, mm -hmm. But I'm sorry. Well, I was like, I have to say person of color for you to go, mm -hmm. oh, when I say all American, there's a certain image that pops into your mind. Yes. When I say God, <laughs> there's an image that pops into your mind, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. it's not a black woman. It's not, you know, a black trans woman. It's not uh, an indigenous male or female or, or two gender or whatever. No, no, there's none of that. There's a very specific mm -hmm. idea and ideal that pops into your head. That is white supremacy. Yes. And we've I will all say internalized it. One, one of the best things that ever happened to me was actually just, and I've said this before in some of our other podcasts, is teaching in Flint. Mm -hmm. Because for me, when people say parents, my spectrum is all over the place because I had students that were all over the place, right? There was like, no, I didn't have just white kids. So the word parents to me, when I talk about parents of my students comes up like, like the whole you know spectrum of brown, mm -hmm. <laughs> as you mm -hmm. said, right? We're all a yeah. shade of brown, we're right? It just depends on, you know, how on much there's that melanin or How long you were there. Right. Melanin. Exactly. Melanin. melanin. Right. And so, again, like I said, it's only a matter mm -hmm. of time. Exactly. Yes. So if you were exactly. closer to the equator for a period right. of time, you were going to be darker. Yes. If you were and further away from the equator for a period of time, you're going to be lighter. Exactly. So I, I, for me, that's I'm very thankful that I, I taught in Flint for as long as I did because, you know, that kind of broadened my spectrum as far as, you know, parents, the word parents. And I didn't realize that I was that fortunate, you know, to have had my eyes opened until I read that. And then I was like, oh my God. Yeah. There's people, there are people, yeah, parents of color. Because to me, again, because I've taught, you know, so many different types of students and, you know, the different demographics that to me, that word parents does encompass everybody, not just white parents. Right. Right. Well, and that's so, the but, thing when people... but I didn't realize it didn't, it, I didn't, I guess it didn't really, I didn't really think about how it would be for other teachers mm -hmm. so I'm saying, or other people, the mm -hmm. word parents. 
So, so like, that's, that's okay, the first thing. thing that pops in my head when people say parents, if you just say the word parents, of course, my parents pop in my head, right? Because mm-hmm. they're my parents. Right. But if you say, you know, parents of students or children's parents, you know, parents is like all the parents of the world, all the parents of the world pop in my head. But <laughs> again, I didn't realize, you know, that, that, uh, or I'd never really thought about it, about how other people would look at words like parents. Because it's yes. just such a... So when I read this, I was like, holy shit, I got to repost that, for especially for you. I, was yes. you. I had you in my mind. This is... And that's why I said, this is... What is said, what is not said is, is telling is what is said. Because that's exactly. what she's saying. It's like, it's there. And so it's... Uh. And that's where the, the <laughs> disconnect for a lot of people is. That's the uh-huh. cognitive dissonance. This is why when people say all lives matter, like they honestly mean it. And yes, that is true. The problem is it doesn't work in practice. It's the same thing with love thy neighbor. It's the same thing with parents. There shouldn't be that distinction of parents and parents of color. You are absolutely correct. There shouldn't yeah. be. Unfortunately, you live in a society where it does. That society yeah. is predicated on white supremacy. That's why that happens. That's the point. That's the point. And yeah. that was what I was trying to get across to a mutual friend of ours. We've had that conversation several times. But yeah, that's what people are saying. Like, yes, you as a person um, may honestly believe that we are all in this together. We are all Americans. And yes, to an extent, that would be true. Unfortunately, when I say that, there's an implicit two behind it. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I have to remind you that I belong yeah. here too. Mm-hmm. That's the point. When I say Black Lives Matter and turn around and say All Lives Matter, remember, I have to remind you of that. Why mm-hmm. do I have to remind you of that? You see that? That's the point. That's the point. Yep. And when you have these responses of a blue lives matter, well, what is that? What are you protecting? What are you signaling? What are you trying to establish? Because blue lives matter is not police reform or accountability. Blue right. lives matter is saying that, hey, I have friends and family who are police officers and you know what? I love them and they are, they are good people, which is fine as individuals, yeah. right? And it stops there. They're morally good because they're morally good. They go to my church, they're godfather to my son, and they can be white, black, brown, so on and so forth. Again, just any shade of brown, right? Yeah. But the problem with that is they still work for an institution that is predicated on white supremacy. The point of your police force or law as you've conceptualized it is at the behest of the doctrine of white supremacy. It's at the behest of people in power. When you protect and serve, you have to finish the sentence. You protect and serve those with power. Yeah. As James Baldwin put it, you're not here to protect my life. They're here to protect your property. Yep. That's the point. And so, yes, I have friends who are police officers, but I shouldn't have to make that uh, statement. It doesn't matter if you're my friend or not. The point is, the job that you do is at the behest of the powerful, because the funny thing about it is they're your friends and family until they have to use that power against you. Yep. Yep. And I told you that's only a matter of time. Yep. That's how that works. Sobering. And here, 
Honestly, people, if you have a problem with what I'm saying, please prove me wrong. I want to be wrong. I don't want to be yeah, right about well, that. <laughs> this exactly. is not something that I'm advocating for. <laughs> I want to be wrong. When I say this I country is racist, yes, please prove me wrong and not out of, oh, we voted for Obama and yeah, I like Michael Jackson yeah, and yeah. Colin Powell is up there and Condoleezza yeah. Rice. No, 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 no. No. Please prove me wrong on a systemic <laughs> Those level. Those are actually of how. That's- when people Those do are that, exceptions, kind of, and and it's kind of insulting when people do that because it's like exactly. okay, so you're just man, you're just picking out. Okay, then let's turn the tide. You're all racist. Well, because uh-huh. of Marjorie Taylor Greene and <laughs> mm. and do do I okay and Matt Gates and mm. you know let's see Strom and, Thurmond who was a yeah. senator his whole entire fucking life and racist as hell, hmm. openly racist. Mm-hmm. But no, that's different. No, those are individuals. But see, you get to be an individual in white supremacy because you get to be a person in white supremacy. You don't have anything in front of it until your black friend shows up. That's the whole point. When you sit around the dinner table in a gathering, you're with your friends and family, right? Well, see, of course, because I know you personally, when you say friends and family, I'm included in that, right? Yeah, I get that. Mm -hmm. But see... In a general sense of how this country operates, friends and family for white people is other white people. They're your friends and family. There's nothing wrong with that. And you can be as far liberal or left, quote unquote, as you want to be. Right. Mm -hmm. But you still just see each other as people. Right. When your person of color friend shows up, now they're a certain kind of person. They're a person of color. (laughs) By by that phrasing alone, they're already other. Uh, They're already separate mm -hmm. again. You cannot dismantle the master's house with the master's tools. Language, very peculiar language. How do you how do you do it? This right. is what Toni Morrison and James Baldwin, Angela Davis, to name a few, have been talking about as writers. They're like, mm-hmm. how do we have these conversations with the goal of dismantling this system, right? But we have to use English because that's the only language we know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. I could do it in Spanish, but that has white supremacist roots, too. Like, shit. How do you get around that? How do I how do I communicate to somebody what these things are? Right. Yeah. Without without perpetuating that thing. If I tell you what something is. Right. Not only do you know what it is now, but. Now you carry it with you uh, through the rest of your life. Like, I, how do you get around that? Can you get around that? Right. That's where the work lies. It's very confusing. It's very heady. It's very or it can be very depressing and infuriating. I mean, all these things are happening at once and it, and it can lead to a paralysis of sorts because it's like, well, what do you do? Right. But that doesn't let you off the hook to then say you don't do nothing. Right. Right. It's not that you can't do anything like, no, you have to do something. If we live in this house and I'm telling you the house is on fire, you may not be able to put it out, but you can at least help to try and put it out. Right. That's where a lot of people try to get an out. That's where they try and um, uh, dismiss themselves from doing the work absolve themselves from doing the work Mm -hmm. again that mutual friend that i that i mentioned earlier when they're saying they recognize that there's a problem but they're not Mm going to do anything about it and then what they do is weaponize the fact that they're not going to do anything about it and put the blame or the onus on the person that it's affecting not realizing or ignoring the fact that it is also affecting them again it's a matter of time 
because just because I'm closest to the flames doesn't mean you won't get burned. It's only right. a matter of time. Here endeth <sighs> my sermon. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. They're so wonderful <laughs> sermons, though. I, I do. I learn a lot. Well, because, you know, I'm, I'm 52, but I'm still learning about, you know, why or how and all that stuff about everything. Mm -hmm. And I also don't want to come off yeah. as if I know everything either. Like I'm learning like the rest of us. Mm -hmm. I, it's I'm a lifelong learner and yeah. I'm not. I hopefully it's like I'm trying to come off more educational than like uh, wrath of God. No, I think there you're more is a little bit. You do have you do have stuff, um, you know, things to back up what you say, okay. which is very helpful because actually I'm, you know, I've ordered several, several books because of, you know, some of the stuff that you've said, because I want to learn more, mm -hmm. like especially, you know, more readings by James Baldwin. Uh, mm -hmm. I've read several, you know, things with Toni Morrison, but I'd like to read more Angela Davis stuff for sure. I, I, I love her. Angela Davis. Yeah, I love her so much. Um. It just, but I, you know, need to. I need and, to learn more of that perspective. Well, and, and that's that's very. Um, it's not niche, but that's from that's one one perspective. One uh, right. that's my perspective, right? There are a ton of others who are out there. There's uh, Sophia Chang, I believe her last name is. Mm -hmm. um, there's because when you talk about just for example, when we talk about the civil rights movement, it's mm -hmm. always Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, with maybe a mention of Malcolm X, and that's a maybe like it's an asterisk when you mention him, and that's it. That's I love it. Malcolm X. Yes, his his, his his book was great, but that's it. We don't talk about uh, really, at least not now. When I was in school, they mentioned Cesar Chavez. I don't know if they mentioned I, him. I teach about Cesar Chavez. Okay. And um, I, I, I do, I do um, several. Of course, I don't have them on my top of my head right this second. Never do. <laughs> well, um, never do. <laughs> even well, even with Malcolm X, and I can never get her name correct. Um, she was Japanese. Um, she was like one of his closest friends. Um, oh gosh, it's like Yuriko, I believe. I have to look it up. I gotta look it up. I'm, I'm sitting online. Like, let me look it up. Because <laughs> recently but, I've, I've added, you know, uh, stuff a little bit about the Black Panthers. I've added stuff mm -hmm. about John Lewis, um, as well as, you know, starting in the, the beginning. But I definitely talk about Ruby Bridges. That's that little mm -hmm. heart. Damn. Mm -hmm. uh, but what was, what is her name? Let me look. It was like Yuri, oh, Yuriko, and I don't want to Google like Malcolm X's Japanese friend. Like that sounds terrible. <laughs> like I don't want to do that. That is terrible. But anyway, um, the thing about it, the reason well, why I bring I mean, her up sometimes is because you have to just put it out there. Do you, you have to be right? bold about it? Because otherwise, Google won't know. <laughs> right. It's it's the uh, Yuri uh, Yuri Komichiyama. That's her name. Okay. All right. And the thing about it, it, see, you're learning of her name for the first time. Yes, yes I am. Mm -hmm. But, and so, and she, of course, I will be looking mm -hmm. her up. And she, she's um, all but erased from the, move, from the civil rights movement. Just as the White Panthers are erased from the civil rights movement. The White Panthers are the equivalent to white people for Black Lives Matter today. Did you know okay. there's a white people for Black Lives Matter? I did. Right? Well, that I do. I did know. I did not know about the white mm -hmm. Panthers. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. 
Mm-hmm. But when you talk about. about the civil rights movement, it's always Rosa Parks, bus boycott, Martin Luther King. He had a dream. White people and the black people can drink from the same water fountain. He gets shot. Racism's over. That's well, it. Well, we do talk about Robert mm. Kennedy also. Yes. Well, well, for me, it was like vaguely because there was Kennedy, like his brother, right? He gets assassinated. And then Lyndon B. Johnson. Now, yeah, he's part of the conversation because of the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. Um, and then, yes, Martin Luther King is assassinated and then Robert Kennedy is assassinated. And it's when I was growing up and learning that, it always seemed like Robert Kennedy was also an asterisk. It's like, hey, don't forget. Yeah, we, we killed Kennedy and then we also killed the yeah, other Kennedy. Was. Like, was, wait, what? Yeah, he was an asterisk. You know. Well, here's part of the problem in the American uh, uh, educational system is, uh, unfortunately, they cram everything into a short period of time Mm -hmm. because uh, U.S. has only been around, like, what, 240-some-odd years? 245 Uh, this year. Yeah. And so looking at the curriculums, first of all, in the state of Texas— and I will never say the great state of Texas. They can bite me. Uh, the state of Texas, uh, the first part of U.S. history up to Reconstruction is done in eighth grade. Mm. Then they don't have U.S. history again until 11th grade. Mm. Then they have Reconstruction to the present. Now, when it comes to that first part, they spend far too long on the colonies. Who fucking cares about the colonies, right? They don't spend enough time on the actual, like, you know, they, they, they spend too much time glorifying this whole revolution thing, right? Okay, it was great. But they don't spend enough time on actually delving into the principles of the Constitution um, and the system of government, right? Then, then they just kind of speed through a whole bunch of shit until we get to the Civil War. Now, the Civil War is very important. Yes, it needs, it, time needs to be spent on it. But I, I... That's where I rewrite the curriculum myself, and I take out most of the battles because who fucking cares? That's not the point. <laughs> the battles themselves are not the point, right? Uh, because they don't spend enough time on slavery. There's like not a separate unit, and there should be more focus on slavery. So I tend to do that because I think it's it's you know a, the most important part because the only the only cause of the Civil War, the only one, is slavery. There is no other cause. And if somebody says it's Northern aggression, yes. That's, not, that's the, what, the lost <laughs> that's, cause? That's part shit. of it. Yeah, yeah. and if it, when the South says, well, it was the war of Northern aggression because they were trying to take away our rights. Your rights to do what? To own slaves. Mm-hmm. It all comes down to slavery, and I, I, I keep telling my students that. Actually, I start telling that from day one. Hey, by the way, <laughs> uh, you know, I just, I do. I tell them that from... Mm-hmm. Part you know from the very first day of school in eighth grade, and then I when I taught eleventh grade, I reminded them of it because we started at Reconstruction. Okay, Reconstruction. Why did we have to reconstruct? Because some people wanted to own other people, mm-hmm. or continue to own other people. Then, so anyway, well, and, so eleventh grade is too short, meaning they they spend too much time on the stuff that doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, the Gilded Age doesn't really fucking matter, honestly. <laughs> it really doesn't. Captains of industry are robber barons. They're robber barons. And captains of industry. They're both. But who cares? Nobody fucking cares about Rockefeller. Why are we glorifying Rockefeller and all that? Why aren't we talking more about the stuff that actually matters? Because it's all about the system. Yes. And to tie it back to the the main point of this podcast, that system canceled 
all of those things that are challenging yes. said sensitive that's how it well, works. Well, we're canceling them through not, mm-hmm. not, a, a, nobody was teaching it. Nobody's but... teaching it. You had the daughters of the Confederacy mm-hmm. that said, no, no, we, <laughs> we can't have this. So we're going to put forward this retelling of what happened in order to maintain our family's legacy or our stature oh, sure. within society. Sure. They canceled, literally, you canceled the truth, right? All yeah. of the well, that's what they're doing by banning CRT, which mm-hmm. nobody was teaching critical race theory. Well, we, we p- teachers have been teaching, mm-hmm. well, teachers with a conscience, especially like AP teachers and college teachers. Mm-hmm. Yes, we were teaching about systemic racism because we had to talk about gerrymandering, which is CRT, by the way, mm-hmm. as well. And it falls under CRT, mm-hmm. gerrymandering, redlining, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about those things in 11th grade because that's important that that needs to be talked about. Mm-hmm. But now they're trying to cancel all of that out by saying, especially in states like Texas, again, most foolish, ridiculous crap, Mm -hmm. by saying you can't teach anything that makes students, in particular white students, Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Which is ridiculous. No teacher has ever told white students you are inherently racist because you're white. That's Mm -hmm. not the whole point. That's not the point. Right. Nobody's ever said that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the thing about it is like... But these fools are getting it wrong and thinking that that's what CRT is, is telling little white kids mm -hmm. that they're racist because they're white. Well, they're using that again to protect white supremacy, (laughs) right? And the thing about it is is that they don't... Yeah, well, they don't uh, take out the part where they blew up Japan twice. They don't take out the part where, you know, you invaded other countries like because that's american exceptionalism that's really what you're scared about is crt is challenging the concept or of and the doctrine again of american exceptionalism american exceptionalism is predicated on white supremacy plain and simple that's exactly what it is critical race theory at its basis is establishing two things race is a social construct that is true Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the second part to that is why was it socially constructed? Why do you have this thing called race and therefore racism? What is that? Why do you have that? Where does that come from? James Baldwin asked that question 60 years ago. Why did you create yeah. me as the N-word? We'll not say that on this podcast, but why did you create right. that? Why? For what purpose? You needed it for something. And that something is power. Yep. That's it. When you honestly look at it, it's like white people collectively, the way white supremacy works is that you are honestly a spoiled child who is afraid of their own shadow. And what I mean by exactly. that, exactly, you get, oh, that's, that's, you are uh-huh. so used to getting what you want when you want it. And the shadow that you created, you are terrified of. And that's the point where they make when they go like, well, if this group of people does gets this, won't they do to us what we did to them? It's like, no. But you oh. are terrified of that because you know what you have done. <laughs> right. What comes around That's goes the around. the point. When, as James Baldwin said, the linking of the word black and power in this republic reacts the way that it does. It's an admission because the, this republic knows what it has done with its power. When you have the knee-jerk reaction oh, yeah. to black lives matter, all lives matter, that's because you know your black friend's life did not really matter to you. The premise of your arguments has always been the same thing. You don't actually care when things happen to your black friends even though you're not racist. You just know that that shouldn't be happening to you. Why should it not be happening to you? Because you live in a white supremacist society and it has lied 
to you to say that it's not supposed to happen. And as I said at the top, it's only a matter of time when it does. That's it. And most people now are starting to reckon with that and they can't handle it. They are starting to realize for the very first time that they are racialized in a racist system and they are falling apart. It manifests in January 6, 2021 or Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. Those White Lives Matter rallies, bullshit, voting for Donald Trump, the symbol of Donald Trump. Donald Trump just happened to be the person or the conduit or the avatar for it. But no, you know what you're doing. You know. Yeah. You know. That's yep. the whole point. And you're seeing the fallout from that. So when they say critical race theory or talking about race is dangerous to the very foundations of society, they're correct. Just not for the reasons they think they are. (laughs) That's true, exactly. Mm -hmm. Or they know the reasons, they're just trying to cover up Mm -hmm. those reasons. Because if I'm getting at the root cause of the problem, right, that means we can get rid of said problem or at least do something about it, at least try. Uh I mean, honestly, it's like, that's the whole thing with like conservatism. It's like, especially modern conservatism, you have to be honest about what it is you're conserving. Because really, you'd be a preservative, and it sounds just as stupid as as it is. Yes, you're a preservative. You're holding on to something. That is trash. (laughs) Oh, I love Mm -hmm. that. You're not conservative. You're You're a preservative. preservative. (laughs) You're trying to maintain Uh, the status quo. Yeah, make America great Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's that it's that whole MAGA thing. When was it great? So which which great period are you talking mm-hmm. about? You know, are you talk are you talking about you know, yeah, which part? Because mm-hmm. and I I can't get a specific date. Right. From well, even if they tried to pull the they they do and not just MAGA, but when people talk about the greatness of America, they always give you a very 1950s version of America. Oh yeah. The very idealized. Which is or or 1980s because 1980s was was a a replicant of, of the 1950s. 1950s for the most part. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, shit, MTV didn't even play black artists. In the beginning, exactly. Or uh, even... Which is so, it's so weird to me. Uh-huh. Because, you know, because, like, well, when you think weird. of MTV now, you think primarily of Michael Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. And Prince. And Prince, yeah. Janet, Madonna. She's mm-hmm. white, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? Tina but Turner. Still. Yeah, yeah, she is still white. And, um... um Mariah Carey, like the, those artists in particular are like the MTV generation, right? But yeah. that came after, <laughs> after initially MTV would not play any of those artists. Michael, Whitney, Janet, Prince. They would not play then, uh, those artists uh, originally. Then kudos, kudos to Friday Night Videos because mm-hmm. they did. Mm-hmm. First time I saw Prince is 1999 was was on Friday night videos and yeah it was before MTV played it and it took people like David Bowie to say like uh so yeah. i notice you don't play black artists <laughs> and if you're not playing black artists then you're also not playing hispanic artists or latino artists brown artists why not you're not playing asian yeah. artists why not why i mean if you're if this is supposed to be a more perfect union if this is supposed to be uh the place where the land of opportunity and even if you're going to support a capitalist system and say like hey there's 
there's resources here or there's there's money to be made here right if you have the talent and the capital right if you have the resources to to do something then you should be able to do it it's that whole bootstrapping thing right the problem with bootstrapping is one you have to have boots and you have to have laces right and oh just the premise of alone is that you cannot pull yourself up by bootstraps that's not how that works right because even if you could do that you still have to work on your core Hmm. Yeah. You still have to work on <laughs> your arms. Like you have to have the strength yes. to in order to do that. So there's work that goes and into your these glutes because that's deadlifting. Thank you. So even if that were possible, there's good. still work that goes into that. That's work. Yes, hmm. that is. That's a lot of work. And I, I get that. You know, that's I don't know that that's the thing that irritates me is when, you know, there's certain groups of people out there who who don't like to help other people mm -hmm. and they say stuff like well yeah all these millionaires are supposed to make you want to become a millionaire and work really hard to get there yeah but that millionaire i promise you didn't start out as low as somebody can possibly start out they don't right it just it doesn't now there are exceptions to that mm -hmm. but the funny thing is is one of those exceptions to that was an immigrant mm -hmm. and that would be carnegie himself <laughs> he was an immigrant he came over here when he was like 12 from like Scotland. Mm. So, okay. <laughs> but see, I'll be like the immigrant. Yeah, Fuck Rockefeller. But that one, that one yeah. is supposed to be, that one. hey. Yeah. And then, so that's supposed to be like, oh, okay. You, but I'm also a female. Mm -hmm. Like, who am I supposed to, mm -hmm. who am I supposed to, you know, Oh, well, you could be like emulate. Oprah. And she's a black woman who was poor. Oh, my gosh. And she's Oprah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing. Yeah. Not everybody can be Oprah. If that were the case, no. Oprah would not be Oprah. <laughs> Duh. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. It's like you know, I, yeah. Again, James I mean, Baldwin. I, maybe my my lot in life. I don't necessarily want to be Ronald Reagan. I don't necessarily want right. to be Michael Jordan. In my case, I don't necessarily. But I want to be who I I want to be. Right? But I want those opportunities the way they had the mm -hmm. opportunities to be who they're going to be or turned mm -hmm. out to be. I want those opportunities to be what I want to be, to become mm -hmm. the best part of me. I don't want to be them, but I want the opportunities to be me. I don't necessarily have to be a celebrity to be successful, right. but in this country, in, in, in really this, this part of the world, it's not even just the United no. States, but in this part mm -hmm. of the world, the Western world, success is equated and conflated with affluence. Yes, oh my God, that makes gives me you so influence. Mad. It just it, that's right. so frustrating to me because at the end of the day, I personally think that I am extremely wealthy. And what I mean by that, mm -hmm. I'm 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 poor broke when it comes to like cash, money, whatever. I, but that doesn't, you know, I'm I'm trying in my life to to realize, and it, actually, it, it's taken the pandemic to kind of solidify that fact to me that I am very wealthy because I have a great family, both sides. Right, my husband's mm -hmm. family, my family, uh, both sides of mm -hmm. my family, my mom and my dad, and you know, extended family from those two sides. Uh, I have a great sibling. Mm -hmm. I have great friends. I have enough, mm -hmm. and that's really where I like to end it. I have enough, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I actually well, that, have then, a little extra on occasion to be able to help somebody else get to enough. Right, and that's oh, all I want. And just in your teacher. <laughs> You're a teacher too, so just by the nature of your profession, and because you actually yeah. give a damn, yeah, I do. Uh, you, what you're, what you do provide to society goes a lot further. Yeah, that's true right? too. Yeah, I have like, a job in in the service field where where I can make an impact on the. Future. And you don't necessarily, 
I mean, I wish, I wish, you know, great things, or I guess more, more, uh, we'll put in air quotes, traditionally successful mm-hmm. things for you. Yes. But, you know, you don't have to be a, a public figure right. to be successful as a teacher. You don't have right. to be, um, you know, teacher extraordinaire. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I wish that for you or we can give you <laughs> obviously we'll give you your flowers for the work that yeah. you've done. Yeah. But it's like you don't have to be a public figure in order to make an impact. You can be and you can make a bigger impact being a right. public figure. Sure. You know, but you don't necessarily no. have to be. And maybe you don't want to be. You don't I want don't. the downside that comes with celebrity. Well, and, right? and the like, funny thing is, is thanks to social media. And this this is where, in my opinion, you know, I mean, there's two sides to social media. We all know that. So we've kind of talked about the mm-hmm. negative part about it, you know, with cancel culture and with, you know, disinformation and all that. But there's a positive side to it, too, where, like, uh, I can stay, before you moved to Texas, it was easier for me to stay connected with you, right, uh, as a former student, but also to other former students and being able to see their lives and how well they're doing and the, the type, you know, of how, how, how they present themselves online and how they, you know, uh, view the world and all that kind of stuff. Some of them have made me very proud because they've, they've mm-hmm. really... And even if, again, even if they're not, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't judge my success as a teacher by the success of my students being like, you know, fabulously wealthy and all that kind of stuff. Cause that, that's not, that's not who I was as a teacher. That's not what I would have taught them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but watching them be good people, uh, being um, actually very bright and thinking for themselves and questioning things, but, you know, just, I guess, and just being good people is really more gratifying to me. And so it's like, yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I like that part of social media because I can, you know, uh, once they graduate, I can friend them and then, you know, see how well they're doing uh, and maybe still mm-hmm. be a person that they can go to if they're not doing so well. You yeah. know, somebody, somebody they, they know, it, I know I can rely on her because she was helpful to me when I was a teenager. So if they need anything, they can always, you know, ask <coughs> that kind of thing. <coughs> you okay? Yeah, just dry, dry throat. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> so, um, you know, I... Yeah. I we'll wrap yeah. it up. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're right. Yeah. It, it's it's um, it's um a double-edged sword like anything because, again, it's still the master's mm-hmm. tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was still provided by the master. So you can use social media to, to galvanize certain things. Black Lives Matter started on mm-hmm. social media. Mm-hmm. Me Too right. started on social media, you know. Um, and you see... Um, you know, the opposition or the ones with power use social media in order to protect themselves, sure. you know, uh, anti, anti-Antifa or anti-CRT mm-hmm. or, you know, um, stop the steal, all this other, you know, it's bullshit mm-hmm. because of its premise. But the fact is, is you can get on social media and get something trending. Mm-hmm. You get on the bandwagon. Part of that, there is a psychological element to that because they do talk about mob mentality. Yeah. There is a part of that. That's part of the conversation as, as what we established earlier, where, you know, if I said, I don't know, Senator Ted Cruz threw a cat in the street, that's not true. No, it's but, not you true. know, if I put it out yeah. there, you know, then people would jump on that. Here's the funny thing uh, when Donald Trump was president um, in the early, uh, stages mm. of it when I mean, you had that Sarah Sanders chick. Mm. Um, oh, the comedian. So it was after. It was sure, after. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, right. The talking thumb. Yeah. Um, after yeah. this is after Spicer, yeah. and yeah. it was after the alternative facts bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
she was on camera and Donald Trump had re- he had retweeted a video that was proven to be fake. Mm-hmm. She was in an interview, or not an interview, but she was walking and they had a they had the camera on or whatever. And a reporter had asked, like, does that send a dangerous message that the president, regardless if it's Donald Trump or not, but the president and everything that we associate with the president, if he's retweeting a false post, what kind of message does that send? Her response was, it doesn't matter if the video is untrue. It only matters that the message is true. The problem with that statement, Sarah, mm. is that the video is sending a false message. Yeah, yeah. That's the point. That's the point. That's why we're questioning with, this. That's why we're mad fakes, about that. And with deep fakes and everything, it's, it's exactly. you know it's easy yes. for, the, for anybody to create that kind of video and put it out there. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to take even mm-hmm. this podcast, manipulate oh, sure. what I'm saying, and turn it into something else. All you need to do is find the right inflection points, and you can create Absolutely. a whole new sentence. And then it'll become, well, a hot take. Because Byron mm-hmm. said this, 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 and that. And no, well, in a way, yes, I said it, but I did not say right. that particular sentence. See, it's one of those things where it's like it's a half-truth, right? Because I did say those things. Right. Right. And in the court of law, that's how they argue it. That's how they get out of it. Again, master's house, Mm -hmm. master's tools. And oh, yeah, master's rules because the house always wins. Yes. Right. So in the court of law, they say, well, you did say it. It's like, okay, yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. You said it like, fuck you. You know exactly (laughs) what it is that I mean. Yeah. You know exactly what is happening. But see, that's your whole point. Right. That's what you do as people who are protecting this Mm -hmm. system. That's the whole point. That's conservatism. That's the, the, the operation of it, right? The ideology of conservatism is one thing, but it's, it's dynamic. It's practice. It's still in, in behest or at the behest mm-hmm. of white supremacy. But so is liberalism, mm-hmm. neoliberalism. It's the it same is. fucking thing. If you identify as a liberal or a moderate or, or a conservative, it doesn't matter. Like, it's still through the lens of white supremacy. Again, who has power? who doesn't and what's your relationship to it and that last one is where all three of those things converge conservatisms are holding conservatives are holding on to white supremacy their job is to maintain it so are moderates liberals may want to dismantle the system and actually no they don't let me rephrase that liberals recognize that there's a system but they're willing to share power as long as they get most of it or a largest right. part of it. Now, yes, that doesn't mean every liberal or every conservative or every moderate. Moderate, Of course not. They're still an individual level. But in practice, mm-hmm. as a group, that's what mm-hmm. happens. So when we say or when people have said the whole thing needs to go, why that sounds so dangerous is because what you're saying, in effect, is that we need to take people's idea of the power that they have away. That's why you hear in the rhetoric, they're taking our rights away. They're taking they're taking away our freedom, the freedom and your right to do what? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's my question, too, always Mm -hmm. is what exactly are you talking about with that? Mm hmm. And the funny thing about it is, 
It's again only a matter of time before that system, that sleeping giant, turns its eye onto you. Yeah, the eye of That's Sauron. why you do what you do. What ends up happening is that you recognize at a certain point when you become aware of how the world works, you recognize there's a system in place and it is supposed to operate in a certain in a certain uh, fashion. And what you're doing is trying to mitigate the impact mm -hmm. of what that system is designed to do. What you're trying to do is move from being powerless to powerful. You know that the chances of you running the system or owning the system are very slim, right? Yep. And so what you're going to do is what you can latch on to. If as a black person, and this is from my perspective, of mm -hmm. course, but if as a black person in a white supremacist society, if I'm going to move within this system almost either unfettered or with 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 the result of getting it the least amount of crap i have to either be very successful aka a celebrity or public figure or i have to then turn around and become <laughs> the token who yeah. bashes people within my demographic with the idea that if i if i quarter master's favor Mm -hmm. Master will protect me mm -hmm. until Master gets tired of me. Mm -hmm. See, here's the thing. Just because you get a pet on the head from Master, right? Don't don't mistake that for progress, baby, because you are still his bitch. Yep. That's how that works. I'm looking at you, Candace Owens. Anyway. <laughs> but I digress. Mm. So, yes, we'll end on a lighter note. Sure. Uh, there is cancel culture or... We explain what cancel culture is and what yes. it is in practice. Where it comes from is the idea of retributive justice. That's, again, yeah. as you mentioned earlier, public shaming. Yeah. But there's the concept now of restorative justice. Yeah. Which is where you seek repair, right? Where you actually try and repair the harm that you've caused, yeah. or the damage that you've sure. caused. Um, so according to Google, Restorative justice is it repairs the harm caused by crime or any event, right? right? And where the victims, offenders, and the community members meet to decide on how to do that, right? So if a kid is playing with matches and they burn down somebody's house, restorative justice would be, okay, my son burned down your house and I am sorry about that. Yeah. So will you allow me um, the space to seek uh, to to repair that relationship because that's really what it is you, yeah. you literally burnt down yeah. a relationship yeah. right so will you allow me uh, the space and the time uh, to try and repair that I'm not saying I can or even that you know I, I will succeed but at right. least I'm putting forth the effort right right um, about burning bridges right here's the thing about burning bridges like it goes both ways so Restorative justice is, is, is atonement, basically. It's mm -hmm. the work that you have to put in because then the next step is transformative justice. So in other words, there's the harm that was caused, there's atonement, and then there's forgiveness. Right. At the end of it, you can be forgiven, possibly. There's the possibility of forgiveness, right? That's where you want to get to. What a lot of people do is conflate 
atonement and forgiveness and try to skip to again in the 12 step program they want to skip to the 12 step yeah it's like well you, you know you, you still got 11 steps baby <laughs> you know yeah i mean the first one is acknowledging that you did wrong in the first place we can't even get you there <laughs> yeah you know. mm-hmm. but can we get if you want to get to that 12th step you know, you you gotta Again, you gotta do the work from one through eleven. It's putting in the work, yeah. It's like putting in the work. The work. Mm-hmm. Well, and keeping that same energy. Yeah. Here's the thing: all lives matter. Yes, and in order for that to be true, black lives must. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing, and that gets you to again, like I said, transformative justice, which is a political framework and an approach for responding to violence, harm, and abuse. In its most basic, it seeks to respond to violence without creating more violence or engaging in harm and a reduction to lessen that violence. Right. So in other words, right, if an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. Yeah. Mm-hmm, what can we do so that doesn't happen? You may have taken my eye and I am mad at you about that. We're going to have a conversation about that. Yeah. <laughs> But what do we do so that I don't take your eye as retribution? That's retributive justice. Right. What can we do to restore? Can you get me a glass eye? Can you get me surgery? Is there such thing as like an eye transplant? Because, you know, technology is always uh, progressing. Right. right. Is there is there something that we can do? Right. And then after that, can I forgive you? And once that I have forgiven you. You know, can we move forward? Right. That's where that work lies. And that's the goal of what you want to get to is a lot easier said than done. Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) But that's where you could start. It's like changing the changing the framework or just looking at it like a little bit sideways instead of like straight on. If you're looking at it right in front of your face, most people aren't looking at it to begin with because it is quite scary. It's a daunting thing. Yeah. But once you see it. Right. Turn your head to the left a little bit. Turn your head to the right a little bit. Right. Yeah. Look at it from a different angle. Look at it from another perspective and go, oh, okay. (laughs) It's not as crazy as I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Right. I like to think that with this podcast, certain things that I do say or certain things that you say, it's like it gives you words Mm -hmm. and helps you better contextualize. Yeah some of these things yeah. so that way when they come up and when you see it across your your timeline or your social media mm-hmm. feed or if it comes up in real life you know what you're what you're seeing or what you're experiencing and hopefully through this podcast you know how to engage with it yeah and you have at least a different way to engage with it and you know engage with us you know if you hear something that you agree with disagree with are confused about or whatever you know email us um Get in touch with us on Facebook. Get in touch with us. I know we're not on Twitter, but we're on Twitter. So yeah, right. <laughs> I check it periodically to see if anybody has tweeted or liked or retweeted or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, and no, but that's not the point. It is, you know. <laughs> uh, it's there because yeah, because I because I think we need to wrap up. But I I do want everybody to know that yes, we, you know we are very. In case you couldn't tell by this podcast, we are very open to the conversations. And as Byron said, you know, prove us wrong, please. Because, mm-hmm. you know, anytime that you can prove to me that things aren't a shit show, I'm happy. <laughs> I don't walk right? around wanting this to happen. I don't want, I don't walk exactly. around wanting to live in this kind of, and I'll be honest, you know, as a white lady who grew up 
you know, uh, born in 69 and grew up through the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s and stuff. Um, my eyes have been open to a lot of things and this country is not what it likes to say it is. I'd like it to be that way. Uh, and it, there there are a lot of good qualities of this country. Please don't, please don't think that we're like, you know, anti-American. Of course not. I love this mm -hmm. country. That's what I want it to be better. I want it to live up to mm -hmm. its standards that it has set out there, that it has tried to tell the world that it is. Now it's time for us to look at that and say, oh, okay, so here's where we might have met that. Here's where we have it. How do we get from we've met these standards to up here? Mm -hmm. I mean, we do that in our schools. We do that in our jobs. A lot of jobs are like that. You have standards. You have, have you met them? You know, let's, let's do that audit. I think we yes. need to audit ourselves and determine, you know, whether or not this country has reached that because it hasn't. But we need to see what the next achievable goal is and get to that. And if you have any ideas, listeners, please, please, please let us know because I would love to move forward too. And the more people that we have that can give us ideas on how we can move forward as a society, then we can peacefully move forward yes oh please and, oh god and, and don't and don't troll us with like oh my gosh you just need to nuke everything like get out of here get no, out of here that's get not here. we're no, not doing that yeah because you know somebody's I, going to try that and it's like uh, <laughs> no. i understand the tear it down to build it back better but you know what you, you, you kind of still have to have a foundation you have yeah. to have a foundation and you do and of course the and I don't, I don't, I don't know. I can only do my part. You know, I'm changing my mm -hmm. perspectives. I'm seeing things that I never saw before, that kind of stuff. So I'm trying to do my part. And then that, you know, lends itself to me helping my students do their part. My children, my own children do their part and so on. But, you know, so if you have ideas and you have, you want to be part of this conversation, because we will always bring this back up if you would like. I mean, just email us uh, at offkilternofilter at yahoo.com. Um, no spaces, no capitals, just off kilter, no filter at yahoo.com. You can get to us, uh, join our Facebook group, uh, off kilter, no filter Facebook group. And then, yeah, for Twitter, it's at no filter. No, let me start over. <laughs> it's at no kilter. <laughs> uh, so tweet us. I mean, I, I do check, you know, on occasion. Mm -hmm. I have an alert thing. It'll, it'll, it'll do that, you know, whatever that chirping noises chime. it does yeah oh, chirp yeah <laughs> that chirp it does. so yeah. uh, and, with that um, yes oh and i just want to say that these conversations because somebody will always try it in their poorly written dissertations mm. this does not absolve people no. who have committed crime or no. who have done terrible things no it's merely putting it into the perspective of saying that the things that have occurred are in response yeah to a system and when you see that system play out, yeah. hmm, you see who gets what yeah. sentence. Yeah. You think I'm wrong, you can try to prove me wrong, and you know that you can't because you can cite January 6th. Yeah, and Just this is going to come out after January 6th. Mm -hmm. So, you know, looking mm -hmm. because this will come out... Uh, Thursday. It'll come out what Thursday? Oh, actually, on so, on January on 6th. January sixth. Well, goddamn. Mm. <laughs> mm. So, uh, yeah, this this is not um, you know this day is is shitty. Just yeah. saying, this is something that you know we should not be proud of. This is not the but but sometimes actually all the time the things that you are not proud of are the things you should learn from the most and you should de you know take it down brick by brick and see exactly why that shit happened and acknowledge it publicly. 
And name it. Yes. Name exactly. it. Claim it. Yep. Tame it. Exactly. And let's move forward from it. But let's move we, forward. we need to, you know. And I don't mean, oh, let's get over it and move forward. I don't mean that. That's not what I mean. I do not mean get over it. That's bullshit. That's swiping things under the rug. That's that's ignoring shit. I don't mean that. I mean let's let's look at it under a microscope and move forward with those pieces. Mm-hmm. So let's go find out what yes, works, exactly. what doesn't, and yeah. and hopefully, if you're going to build a better union or a more perfect union, you know you have to in any relationship if it's going to be an equitable one. Mm-hmm. Then you have to uh, analyze what you have, take out the parts that are not working, right, and don't replace them with parts that are similar to the ones you got rid of, right, <laughs> right, and expand what you have, expand this union and yeah. the concept of a union and the concept of freedom, right, to they include. They did say more perfect, not perfect. Yeah, more perfect, right? Well, because because. Well, the it's problem with more perfect thing. is that you have to you have to have been perfect first, right? How do you be more perfect if you don't yeah, have the base? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, and it's and not so. perfect. And plus, we're wrapping up, so like I don't want to get into yeah. the yeah. fact that we're looking for equity in an inequitable yeah. system by its very design. That's a that's a that different one. Where, yeah, and, and we're at the point where I have to pee again. <laughs> <laughs> Always, well, man. After these hour right. and a half ones, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Well. With that stream, yes, crossing that stream. Okay, so we've done contact. So (laughs) tell me about the music. Uh, Tell us about that music. Well, if you enjoy the music, uh, you heard yours truly, Square One, and you can find that on Amazon. Byron Alexander, Square One. Link is in the in the description. At the end of this podcast, you can hear "Do I Belong Here," which is an apt song, especially for the last couple of years. Sure. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Um, you can also find my music on another podcast, Women Committing Crimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opening song is Forgive Me, and the closing yes. song is Who. Again, link yes. in the description. Uh, and you can, hopefully, you enjoy what you listen to. And hopefully, if the stars align, there'll be new music coming, but I won't say soon because, hey, we never know these days. But there's new music. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Women Committing Crimes has taken a hiatus, but it will come back Monday. Awesome. Like day after tomorrow. So it will come back uh, January 3rd. All brand shiny new. Ooh. And this one's going to be. And this the, the topic that I chose for today was uh, an actual uh, a listener. Uh, emailed me. So I was really excited about that and suggested this topic. But the funny thing is. Uh, after I started researching it for a couple weeks, it's taken me a while because uh, this person emailed me in October. And as most, if anybody listens, uh, it has, I've been on a hiatus since October 12th. That was the last one with Jane Topan. Um, but <laughs> uh, so I took some time because this one is very extensive. So this one will be a long one, but it's very popular in the news right now. So I don't know why. <laughs> uh, even one of my favorite other pa- podcasts, uh, by uh, Dan Cummins. He did this topic also. I have not listened to it because I don't want to compare mine to his because I'm not a pro and he is. Uh, But also on like a lot of TV channels, they're revisiting this topic and it's the Ken and Barbie killers. So it's actually Carla Homolka. She's a Canadian uh, killer. Uh, So it's, it's really, 
Yeah, it's it's gross. It's all kinds of sex and violence, chopping up bodies and sex, violence, and rock concrete. and roll, baby. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty bad too. It's really gross. So that one's coming out uh, this Monday. I don't know what time of the day, but <laughs> it's going to come out after I record it. Um, and so I'm excited. Uh, so yeah, those that's where you'll hear more of Byron's music also. So. That's all I got. Yeah, well, I'm I'm good, and my throat is raspy. So yeah, we hope we contextualize cancel culture, showed what it was in progress or in process, and mm-hmm. why it's not really it's been happening forever, right? And it's not really a thing. It's just no. the dynamics of how no. things play out. So and and it's another buzzword that people like to toss around once they get their teeth into something like that they think they know what they're talking about and they toss it around and so after a while that term that it'll still happen but that term will back off again mm-hmm. just because like but dunk a dunk <laughs> yeah let's end yeah. it with that but dunk a dunk, dunk, dunk. dunk. <laughs> but as long as people keep clapping yes I'll be but I'm gonna get a chocolate chip cookie and but dunk a Dunkin' in a glass of milk. Ha! Dunk a dun- uh. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, oh, that's not euphemism man. or innuendo either. <laughs> so, class, you have been yes. off kilter with no filter. Yes. And we will, and we will see, you next see you next time. Have a good one, guys. Oh, and happy new Bye. year! Oh yeah, happy new year! Bye. <laughs>